It's Murder's Night Out with Anna and Emily. And thanks for listening. I was wanting to catch your intro, but it is what it is. What? Yeah. <laughs> so we're back again to grace your earballs, ear yeah. holes, whatever. Ear holes. That sounds better. <laughs> so sorry if you hear a bunch of background noise. Um, it's uh the day, it's the week before Memorial Day, and the week kid or well, a few <sighs> days before Memorial Day. Fuck. Start, starting <laughs> so early on kids and everything. It's it's great, and we had guy mowing outside earlier, so there could be some extra noise. <laughs> Trying to coordinate between the kids' screams and the mowing and yeah. the, oh. the dog barking. We were going to, you know, start a toddler fight ring as a, yeah, you know, I don't know. My four-year-old, she's pretty tough. So is my, my five-year-old. She throws hands all the time. <laughs> oh, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again. Thanks for joining and listening to us. We appreciate all the love and support. We've got listeners in Ireland now, uh, the United Kingdom, Finland, Netherlands. Man, I'm just blown away. I know. We've made a pretty big outreach. I'm excited. Yeah, now that we have you back. I know. Still <laughs> sick, though. I, I know. This This heifer texted me yesterday, and she was like, I know we're supposed to record tomorrow, but you will never guess what. And I was like, what? She's like, I have the flu. Who gets the flu at the end of May? That's what I would like Emily to know. does. Yeah. Emily does. Look, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with She's me. not contagious right now, so. Yeah. I've she, been and she's feeling free. better, but yeah. she was feeling bad last week when we recorded, and then she went to the doctor, and apparently she's out the flu. Yeah. So, basically, I, my symptoms started like a week ago, and I've just been kind of winging it and just carrying on thinking like, Vibing you know, and surviving. Vibing and surviving. And, uh... Uh, finally I went to the doctor yesterday because I was trying to just get a you know like a sinus cocktail like we all do just uh -huh. to just to kind of get over that hump and when I did it when I went in they were like well do you want me to test you for stuff and I'm like sure why not I don't think I have anything yeah sure as shit <clears throat> have the flu at the end of May I know that's your look I told her <laughs> this is my by the way <laughs> this is how supportive of a friend I am I told her <laughs> I sent her a picture of a a nice little uh birthday present i was gonna get her hazmat suit yeah it was a hazmat suit it, was it sure cute. was <laughs> and her first response was oh it's cute yeah it's like Being well i'm glad ass. you like it because you know <laughs> you're it looks like you're gonna need it all year long right <laughs> not funny it is funny this is my fourth time getting the flu by the way <sighs> my just, fourth oh. time since flu season started in october I tried to find a like a bubble boy bubble, but they don't have those. Autoimmune disease sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, now I feel bad for making fun of you. It's fine. Way to bring that up. God. It's fine. I'm good. I'm vibing and surviving. <laughs> I'm here. So anyways, I've got a case for you. This case was suggested by a listener. Shout out. Shout out to Sam. He knows who he is. And I was actually researching another case before he sent me this one. And the case I was researching is similar to this one, which I'll do eventually. But when he sent me this one, I was like, 
that sounds familiar. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, I have heard of that one. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do this one because it hadn't had quite as much attention as some of the other ones that I was that are in my case lineup. So I definitely wanted to do this one first. So with that being said, we're just going to dive right on in. So today we're going to be talking about the case of Adrian Lee Reynolds. Now I know you kind of looked this case up a little bit, but yeah, I'm so, excited to dive in. excited, but I'm over here cutting you off. Um, no. Okay. It's payback so, for last week, isn't it? <laughs> so basically what happened was whenever I got here, I was like, Hey, uh, let me tell you what my thoughts are. And then this I just bitch gave the Olaf version of it. Yes. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I do things. Obviously, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, they're kind of short, sweet, ba ba bam. Devil's and in the details, man. I know devil's in the details. I know, but like it's ADHD for me. And you know, I have a memory of a goldfish like that's, and I was explaining to her what that meant. Cause I was like, I don't remember nothing. Like I can look up something, search something three seconds later. I'm like, Hmm squirrel it's adhd well anyways kids yeah <laughs> so adrian lee reynolds was born september the 12th 1988 in kilgore texas to a mother named carolyn i'm not sure of her maiden name but at the time this all went down her name was carolyn franco so her name's carolyn being that carolyn was only 16 at the time Adrian, shortly after birth, was adopted by her maternal grandmother and her then husband, Tony Reynolds. So that's how she her got. Last name. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, at some point, Adrian eventually moved back with her mother to Texas, leaving her maternal, her adopted parents. So growing up, um, there was a bit of a struggle. There was some stuff going on. But by all accounts, Adrian was very outgoing, talkative. She loved to sing. And per, uh, I read an article in People Magazine. Apparently, they were quoted as saying, like, they were, she had astonished her family members with her rendition of Amazing Grace. Aww. I know. So apparently, she had the voice of an angel. Now, after a health scare that she had, she had a ruptured appendix at the age of 12. Adrian, this is really where Adrian kind of began falling behind. She was falling behind in school and was apparently running with a, a tough crowd or, quote, druggy crowd. So while Adrian was going through this transitional rebellious phase, we'll call it, we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Um, in March of 2003, she had accused her stepfather, David Franco, which was her mother's new husband, of sexually assaulting her. And this is technically her grandfather. No, 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 no. Remember, she's moved back to... Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So she... goldfish. <laughs> so she had moved back with her birth mother. So... I got it. Yeah. I got it now. Sorry. No, the I know Franco. it's, it's yeah, kind of, no, there's Reynolds. Yeah. Last name Reynolds. Yes. Right. Okay. Got it. Sorry guys. I'm so on track this time. <laughs> so she had accused her stepfather, David Franco of sexually assaulting her. And by September, 2003, 
she moved from Texas to Illinois to live with her adoptive father and her new stepmother, which was Tony Reynolds and Joanne Reynolds. David Franco had been indicted the month before in August. However, that same month that Adrian had moved in with Joanne and Tony in September, Joanne had wrote a letter to the district judge, David Brab Brabham, uh, the district judge in Texas, explaining Adrian said she had lied about the accusations, which this was then followed up with a letter from Adrian herself in December 2003 to that same judge, confirming and explaining that she didn't think that it would go this far. And this is really sad because I've been there. Um, not accusing anybody of anything, but she said that, you know, she got jealous because her, it seemed like her sister was getting all of David's attention. And since she never really had a dad, she felt her sister was taking him away from her. So she did it out of the need for attention, but then went to further explain that she's getting the help that she needs while she's in Illinois and going through counseling and therapy and oh, all of that. Yeah. Good. So that same month, the charges were dropped against David. And in May of 2004, Adrian had returned back to Texas to live with David and Carolyn again. So she was adopted by her. I'm going to give the Olaf version real give quick. The Olaf version. <laughs> So she was adopted by her maternal grandmother and her then husband right after birth. She lived with them for a stint. Then she moved back with her birth mom to Texas. And from there is when she started kind of getting in trouble going through this stage. And when she ended up accusing her stepfather of this. So from then she moved to Illinois and moved in with her adoptive father, Tony, and his new wife, Joanne. Mm -hmm. And then after the accusations and charges are dropped she moves from illinois back to, so there's a lot of moving mm -hmm. back and forth back and mm -hmm. forth so she had returned to texas to her birth mother's home and her stepfather david franco in may of 2004 unfortunately this didn't last long so by the age of 16 and she's living back in texas with carolyn and david her mother and her weren't really getting along and Again, Adrian was then again sent to live in East Moline, Illinois, to move back in with Tony and Joanne. So it sounds like in the stint of just a several years, she's well, then moved around at least four or five times. Yeah, well, in, yeah, within the stint of 2003 and 2004, she went to Illinois, back to Texas, back to Illinois. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of moving around, but she made the final move around November 2004, moving back in with her adoptive father and her new stepmother, Joanne and Tony. And like I said, this was due to, they weren't really getting along and her mother was quoted as saying that she thought she would be safer. And the plan was for Adrian to get her GED instead of going through four years of high school. And speaking from someone from personal experience, I went through a tough time too. And like, I get, High school can be hard, especially yeah. if you're not in the in crowd, the in crowd or yeah. the traditional like Preppy. good student. And, yeah. you know, this kid's already been through a lot. And I think that they thought this might be the best choice for her that yeah. way. And that makes sense. And especially if she's bounced around 
Um, so, I mean, I'm sure she's had to miss quite a bit of school for that mm-hmm. reason. So she's probably already behind. Well, and when she arrived, which is my next part, when she arrived to Illinois and then she gets enrolled, in her, she had no high school credits. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And how old is she at this point? 16. Yeah. She should have at least had. Yeah. Several. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So upon her arrival to the, the final arrival to Illinois with her adoptive father in Ignore that. <laughs> Somebody was knocking on the door. Upon was arrival, somebody knocking on the door. I don't know. I thought it, it sounded like somebody shut a door and then it like echoed. Okay, where was I? Sorry. <laughs> so upon her arrival, for you know, the final time, um, it was a bit of an adjustment period. You know, she's gone through all of this mess. Um, you know, the rebellious teen years she's coming from like the bad crowd in texas you know so it was a bit of an adjustment period so eventually she enrolled into black hawk college outreach center which is an alternative school for teens who struggled to fit in at traditional schools and her plan was to get her ged and she really wanted to join the marines and maybe one day become famous for her singing which i thought was very sweet and innocent Now, this school only had about 80 students, so it was very, very small. Uh, A fellow student later named Stephen Fonseca, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Fonseca, stated that when him and Adrian talked, she was really worried about meeting new people and making friends when she arrived, which I get. I got social anxiety when I go to a new place. I'm very, very quiet and, you know. You know, especially at that, now I don't care, but at that age, you know, you just wanted to fit in and, you know, not be the weird person. Right. Although I was the weird person. I would say, I was going to say, uh. <laughs> so. I remember you in high school. <laughs> so, yeah, this this place was really small, only 80 students, um, and it was we focused. weird. We were going against the grain, man. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't feel like we were that weird. No, no, Mm-mm, no. I felt like we just got along with everybody. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was normal. I hate using that word. <laughs> what? I mean, I wouldn't say normal. You shut your filthy whore mouth. I'm trying to get through this important okay, story. Now, despite her being nervous, um, Adrian's personality, she had that type of personality that just enabled her to make friends quickly. That she was just very bubbly. She was beautiful. So she was, you know, in a small school, she was noticed pretty instantly, not only because she was pretty, but she was also the new kid. And then when you're the new kid in a very small school, you get noticed pretty quickly. Uh, She made friends quickly, like I said, and she was particularly interested in joining a friend circle of a fellow student, 16 year old Sarah Kolb. Now, Sarah Kolb was described in some articles as the popular kid at this school. Like she was, had a lot of friends. She was well known and others had described her basically as the queen bee of the social misfits, which is a pretty cool title. If you ask me, it's kind of cool. I know. Right. (laughs) This circle of friends, like that toy misfit song, you know what I'm talking about? That's always like, Oh, on, on Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. (laughs) (laughs) 
the island of misfit toys yes yes <laughs> i want to be a part of the island of misfit toys i think so. I, I don't know if these misfits would be welcomed there no <laughs> probably not but they're welcome at my house because these Same. are my kind of misfits yes. so this circle included you know the goth kids or the self-described juggalos you remember the juggalos yes. you know so the juggalos you're drinking those Fagos. No. If you don't remember the Fagos. I, I remember oh my the, God, that was a thing. I remember the Fagos, but you know, Juggalos were the. I know, but it, they were always drinking the Fagos. Like that was a thing. Oh. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> juggalos and Juggalos. So, yes. ICP. Yeah. Yeah. Insane Clown Posse. So Juggalos were, was a term for a group or a particular group of people that listened and I wouldn't say worshipped, but like followed intently a band called insane clown posse which was really big back in the early 2000s and of course the goth kids you know the kids that wore yeah. all black shout out and so this was sarah's circle this sounds like a really cool circle if you ask yeah. me so she was really interested in joining this circle because sarah was the popular kid and this was the theme and like so it seemed she just really wanted to fit in she's from texas this is not really her style and then when she gets there she sees that you know typical so 16 year old her. typical 16 year old stuff at one point yeah she i think one of the articles said that at one point she had even cut her long hair and started uh list and she ditched like her you know her typical pop or country mm -hmm. or hip-hop music and started listening to heavy metal which there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that but there's nothing wrong with that but she just she just really wanted to fit in 16 new school i understand well so sarah circle i know i stated this included these you know kids and um there were two particular close tight-knit people with sarah this was sarah's friend Corey gregory uh, who was 17 and then sarah's boyfriend friend i'm not sure in some articles, it describes Corey as her boyfriend and then Sean as the friend and then vice versa. But this was Sean McKittrick, who was the age of 16. So as I said before, Adrian really had no problem getting noticed at this new school because, you know, one of her good looks and two, she had a real Southern Texas accent, which, you know, can some people define as cute. And even though mine gets on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> And as I said, also a very small school. So new students are recognized pretty quickly. Now, Sarah, who was described as her, described by her friends as usually laid back, but she could have a temper, which I understand. What the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> Sorry, Emily. <laughs> I had a moment. <laughs> a minty bee. <laughs> You know, mental breakdown, Minty B. <laughs> What's that? Is that like the depressed version of Cardi B? <laughs> <laughs> like earlier, when I called you and I'm like, I'm on my way. I got express. I got a shot of espresso, and you're like, Oh, that's why you're so upbeat. <laughs> espresso for my depresso. That's what I said. More espresso, less depresso. And Nikki goes. You're still depressed. You're just fast. <laughs> <laughs> I broke her. Okay. 
Okay. I'm sorry, guys, because I mean, this is a terrible, terrible murder, and I get that, but like, this is how we get through things. And this is how we cope with life, because we ain't got to explain ourselves. No. You know, people out there, you know, they they understand. If they're listening to it, then they They understand. Yeah. You know, this is how we get through it. If you don't like it, well, let us come back at a later date. Maybe we've changed. Probably not. I've been this way for 30 years, so. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. 31. Get out. <laughs> okay. Empty who? Sarah, who was the popular kid, was described by her friends as usually laid back, but could have a temper. I understand. Um, however, like I said, Sarah noticed her. And I think even one of the articles said that, you know, upon her arrival, Sarah thought she was hot. Now, Sarah was openly bisexual bi curious however you want so this was nothing new or you know surprising to her friends she thought adrian was hot so and she was she was very pretty now eventually adrian landed in this circle and like i said earlier really wanted to fit in cut her hair and really kind of conformed to that circle group she because she just wanted to fit in mm-hmm now, the relationship between Sarah and Adrian is really where everything kind of our story starts to unfold and take place. Their relationship started out as, you know, note passing in class, you know, back in the day before people had everybody had cell phones where they could text or you could only text. I mean, there were cell phones back then, but you could only text so much. It was like 10 cents a, yeah. a text message or whatever. And then you had, you had like the, you probably had like the flip phone and you had, to I don't like even push. think the flip phone was out. Okay. Then. Well, like Nokia, Nokia brick Nokia's. phones, and the things were push, indestructible. Yeah. And you had to push it like three times to get like one letter, <laughs> like that one number, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I know <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the memes that's like, you know, or yeah, the memes that you know, go around on social media where it says like, read this. And it's like three, 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 five, five, six, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, text. Okay. Anyways. I know what you mean. Okay. Anyways. So it started off with them just, you know, passing innocent notes here and there. Like what's your favorite color? What music do you listen to? And blah, dee, blah, blah, blah. You know, however, the note passing seemed to begin indicating that this relationship was starting to head towards a more sexual romantic direction. And I think one of the notes that they found, it said something along the lines of, have you ever been with a girl or are you bisexual? Something like that. And Adrian had replied yes, which was later on a surprise to her parents. Cause they didn't know. Yeah. Anyways, this is where the relationship kind of began to head now this is you know november 2004 well in december 2004 um their relationship began to take a turn and not in a good way um and this was apparently after a party that took place in december that sarah had invited adrian to the relationship was already strained according to later testimony because Adrian had expressed interest in Sarah's friends, Corey and Sean, whether it was out of a jealous possessive way of Corey or 
a jealous, possessive way of Adrian. Either way, the, it started to strain the relationship because Sarah didn't like it, basically. So, according to, once again, later witness testimony, and at this party, apparently, and this is not victim shaming or victim blaming, because you live your life, do what you want. Adrian had slept with a boy at the house that the party was at. Mm -hmm. And then the next day had slept with another. Mm -hmm. Which, by all accounts... Yeah, no, and that's the thing is like, you know, at 16, she's gone, you know. Sounds like she's been through a lot. Been through a lot, and that doesn't even matter. You know what? You do what you want. This is true. Now make smart choices. Yeah. But do what you want. Anyways, off my soapbox. This visibly angered Sarah once again, whether... Also not, I will say this as a parent, um, not saying that a 16-year-old should go out and have sex because that's that's what that's what teenagers do. They do, they make these choices that they don't think about long-term effects, mm-hmm. but they're going to make them. So that's mm-hmm. why as a that's parent... Why you got to educate them and yes. inform them. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Like I could, you know, I grew up in a very strict religious household where like, None of this until marriage and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And what did I do? I did the exact opposite. Yeah. Plus, I was going through a bunch of other stuff. Anyways, unfortunately, and I'm not condoning it. No. So don't get mad. It's It, it happens. happens. And it's going to happen. You may That's There may be some fortunate parents out there that don't have to deal with that. Because maybe, you know, I don't know. Whatever the case may be. It's just... We're going off on a whole different tangent here. No, 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 no. You're no, good. I just wanted to explain. No, like, that's that's good. Like, as a parent, as yeah. an adult, like we are as your a safe mom- people. Right. You're safe people, but you have to learn about Right. Me. I'm not a dumbass. Like right. I hope and I pray and I plan, you know, teach. Because right. I have an 11 year, almost 11 year yeah, old. As our kids are going into this teenage phases, mm-hmm. we have to preach to them and, and explain to them that, yes, you may have this choice and you may have this option. However, you should probably not. You should but one not do it. And two, think about the consequences. If you do, these are your consequences. Yes, these are your consequences, and this is how you prevent those consequences and all of that good stuff. Because as a parent, that is my biggest fear. But I'm hoping and praying that my oldest and my youngest, when she gets the age, she'll still think boys have cooties at that age. Yeah. Because Kids that age are not emotionally developed enough to handle all of the consequential emotions that come along with. Exactly. All the baggage. That and then fucking high school kids are fucking mean. Very mean. Mean. Yes. Like, if you, you could, you could kiss Susie, a boy. Right. You if could you, kiss a boy and then all of a sudden the next day you're a whore. Yeah. You're, you're a, a slut, slut shame because... You know, one person tells one person this and then it gets to the next person. And then by the time it gets to the end, like the whole cup game or the secret game that you used to play when you were little where you sit in a circle and one person whispers and and they go around the circle. Anyways, by the time it gets to the end, it's it's done. You done had her train ran on you and uh, with whipped cream poured all over you and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but you know what? I mean, Anna, what you be doing? I'm just kidding. Sorry. You know what I mean. I know though. what you mean. I do. <laughs> so, and sorry. Um. Either way. <laughs> God. <laughs> Back to my story. Okay. Sorry. No. No. I no. Just, you're good. No. I needed I, to explain that. Yeah. No. For sure. Yeah. I I appreciate as moms that is something that I'm glad that you 
brought yeah. up because we I are feel your like safe people. You can yes, talk to us. Exactly. And that was the thing is I, I don't know how the household was, but I know that there was a lot going on. And you know what? She's just crying out or just, you know, trying to fit in, f- right. trying to feel that love because like she said in her, she didn't really have a father and she's looking for that love and attention. And you know, just like the case we did last week where the girl, um, where Sheila had talked about how she was just looking for that attention, you know? And one thing I learned as an adult that I didn't realize is that, um, kids and not saying that she really experienced a whole lot of trauma. I don't know her life's like her full background. Cause I mean, she's not really here to explain. Right. Um, but I mean, a lot of kids, when they act out like that, that's a part of self-infliction, kind of like cutting yourself or, or hurting yourself. That's one way of, of how some of those teenagers act mm-hmm. out on that because it's technically they're harming themselves. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I did find one article that went into more detail in regards to like what Adrian may or may have experienced may have not experienced in that time frame before she made the final move. However, it was just one article and it wasn't a newspaper or anything. Not that I'm saying that it's not accurate, which I'll link it in the show notes, but I didn't feel that it was important to our story because it doesn't matter. What happened to this girl does not matter. No. Or what happened to this girl, her past does not matter because she did not deserve it. No, not at all. And her parents are already... Spoiler alert. Her, her parents already went through enough. There's no need to right. family victim blame either. There's right. none. Anyways. Right. So back back to this. Because of this, Sarah was visibly angered. And after this, uh, Sarah made it very public and made it, you know, she began calling her like a slut, a whore. And, you know, spreading these rumors and whatnot and was telling people, one newspaper article said that Sarah did have a romantic interest in her, but then saw how easy she was. And then she decided to, she didn't want to go down that route anymore because she was a slut and a whore. Not my words. These were Sarah's whatever. Anyways, and then she cut off all communications with Adrian after that. Now, even with all of this bullying and just basically slut shaming, call it what it is, and Sarah cutting off all communications, um, she, Adrian still attempted to engage in a friendship and tried to repair the friendship, which, side note, fuck that girl, okay? She wants right. to be like that. Fuck that right. girl. You know? You're being bagged, Megan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was trying to get in position. I know. Anyways. Oh, my ladies. What is that? In position? Forma- formation. Formation. Get in formation. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Side note. Um, So, yeah. She she still attempted to try to repair this friendship. Um, She even wrote a note to Sarah saying, quote, I wanted a chance for us to start over again and at least be friends. End quote. And this one's really sad. Um, another note she wrote to Sarah was, quote, why do you hate me so much and why do you want me to die? End quote. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So yeah. Um, and uh, Joanne, sorry, uh, Joanne in a later interview with uh, NBC News, she had recalled that Adrian was scared of Sarah. Adrian apparently at one point told her that she was scared of Sarah. There was lots of fighting going on at school and uh, Sarah would yell at her and tell her all the time to just commit suicide. So even with all of this going on, this poor girl was still trying to mend the friendship, Hmm. which is really sad. And it just really lets you know the kind of state of mind she was in. Uh, So things between Sarah and Adrian's relationship took an even bigger downturn when Corey and Adrian began began (laughs) Southern cornbread. Um, when Corey and Adrian began hanging out together without Sarah and they apparently kissed a few times, but that was it. And when Corey told Sarah, uh, Sarah got very mad and, and this was per Corey, um, hung up, hung the phone up on him. So Corey ended up, ended up telling his mom about what happened and his mother, Teresa Gregory, and this is in that same NBC news article. Teresa Gregory, after this, told him that Sarah wasn't his girlfriend and that you could hang out, that he could hang out with anybody he wanted to and that she had no right to tell him yeah. who he could and couldn't hang out exactly. with, which is a man's sister. Right. And he he agreed with his mother and he said that that's exactly what he told Sarah. Just typical teenage drama bullshit, you know. Oh, yeah. Teen girls are the worst. Oh, and I yeah. could say that because I was one one Same. time. <laughs> I don't remember being like this, but. No, I was never like that. Yeah. I was mean. Sometimes. Yeah, I was just I was just mean. And I mean, I I think I kind of relate to this case a little bit because I would say probably middle school. Adrian reminds me a lot of myself. Yeah. I just really, really, really wanted to fit in. And despite trying to fit in, I still got bullied. And finally, by the time I got to high school, I just did not give a fuck. Yeah. So, anyways, with that being said, typical teenage drama stuff. After this phone call where uh, Carrie, Corey had told Sarah, uh, apparently Corey and Sarah made up the next day, but the tensions between Sarah and Adrian were still still there. There was still a lot of animosity, basically. There was even a a journal entry in Sarah's diary that was dated January the 21st, 2005, where it said, quote, stupid bitch needs to back up off my Kool-Aid. She's going to give him a note. Yeah. Well, I'll fucking kill her. End quote. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, which uh, at this point, I find it funny saying Kool-Aid because yeah. I remember that. And that was a we thing. We used to say that all the time. Get up out my Kool-Aid. Get up out my Kool-Aid. This is not funny, but get up out my Kool-Aid or, you know, just, it really just reminds me, and that's that's what it is on the surface yeah. level, is just a bunch of teenage girl drama bullshit. You know, these kids are at this alternative school, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know, a lot of them are troubled and going through stuff, and it just, you know, this is their way of lashing out. Anyways, however... That same day that that journal entry was made, it appeared that 
they had made up um on january the 21st a um sarah had invited adrian to lunch at the taco bell which yeah. sounds really good right now it does i love me some taco bell <sighs> i know not the one in a the bathroom after though like i mean you just <laughs> <laughs> prepared dude, I it's getting IBS. real shitty <laughs> dude i got ibs i gotta be real careful with what i Stop. eat <laughs> i hope nobody's eating right now sorry guys i, I don't have a gallbladder so stuff goes right <laughs> same <laughs> we can both hit up the taco bell we just need to have, <laughs> no, just need to have a bathroom on standby <laughs> we're just gonna get a porta pot Oh my God! Have Strap you, it to the top of the truck. Have you seen where like Megan Trainer and her husband have a um a bathroom side by side, like a toilet side by side? They're like not like facing each other because that would be kind of weird to poop and like face each other, but like they're side by side. So just think about this. So we they can, can eat sit there taco. and take a shit and hold yes. hands. Just think about this real quick, okay? We can. I don't know if I want to. I don't think I want. To. <laughs> We could eat Taco Bell and then go shit together. Just stop! <laughs> stop! Okay, on a serious note, sorry. <laughs> so, Sarah had invited Adrian to lunch at Taco Bell with her and Sean. Or her and Corey and Sean. So, they ended up leaving the school that Friday afternoon around 1230. Now, Adrian was scheduled to work at her job. She was working at a checker's fast food restaurant um she was scheduled to work at her job that evening at 5 p.m now when she didn't show up for her shift a missing persons report was immediately filed with the east moline police department now you know in a lot of cases at least you know back in that time and prior kids with like at an alternative school or like troubled past kind of thing they're immediately going to be looked at as runaways yeah well, that was not the case here, and I applaud the police yeah. for this one because Tony stressed the fact that she had no history of running away. She was doing, you know, despite the stuff, typical, like, teenage drama stuff that was going on, she was doing really well. She had a job. She was trying to get her GED. She had goals and everything. Um, so they immediately treated it as a missing persons report, which, like I said, I applaud them because yeah. that is not usually how it goes. Yes, they've gotten better over the years with that, but with what was going on and, you know, the school she was at mm -hmm. and everything, which, you know, that's what I thought was going to happen as I was researching this case, but I was very surprised that I did it. That's not the case, and I'm very proud of that. So, pat, bat pack, yeah. bat, back pat. I said back pat. I, I don't know. <laughs> back pat, yeah. Yeah, back pat to the add a boy to the police high department. Five. Yeah, a crisp no. high five. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, over the weekend, they immediately began interviewing friends and classmates. You know, trying to figure, you know, figure out what happened, or you know, she said anything when she was last seen. And this was at. Then at some point they had learned that Adrian was last seen in the parking lot of a McDonald's in East Moline. Now, by January the 25th, which was four days later, the state police and Quad City Metropolitan Enforcement Group, MEG for short, that's a lot to say, 
had joined in on the search. Now, this is where things, everything started to unravel. Yeah. Um, Yeah, unravel. So during these four days, so during, you know, while this search going, while this search is going on, Corey began behaving very strangely. Uh, And at some point he was making crazy demands of his parents and eventually ended up requesting that his parents hire him a lawyer. And this was because Sarah's parents apparently had. So that Tuesday, the 25th, the same day that the other law enforcement agencies joined in on the search, uh, Corey had had an attorney and went to the police station to talk with investigators. Meanwhile, um, Adrian's parents were obviously frantically searching for their daughter. Uh, According to the NBC News article that I quoted earlier, they even, they were trying anything. They even brought in a psychic. And this is where, you know what, psychics, I believe that some of them do have, you know, because there are some, you know, things we can't explain. Yes. Anyways. And, you know, there have been cases where psychics have... Mm-hmm. successfully aided in the investigation mm-hmm. and then some that haven't anyways so when the um the reporter from that was doing this interview for NBC News asked the parents Tony and Joanne like what the psychic told him uh, apparently the psychic told him that Adrian was alive and living in a basement and this one's the shitty part the one time she needed you most, you weren't there. Oh, no. What? Yeah. They already feel terrible. Yeah. Like, you know what? How about keep that to yourself? Okay. How about let's not exploit these parents that are frantically don't sit searching there for and their don't daughter. Don't sit there and tell them or make them feel guiltier than they probably already right. feel. Okay. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know that, that just kind of like, maybe she didn't mean it that way or whatever. Cause I didn't see like the live interview of this. I just saw the transcript. I don't know, but I, that one kind of caught me off guard. I was like, really bitch? Don't do that to parents. Come on now. Because this is, they already feel guilty. Well, yes. And at this point when, you know, she told them that they hadn't found Adrian yet. But that gave them hope. I don't just I mean, that's where and, I'm kind of like in the middle. I would I would still have hope at that point, anyways. I would never give up on my kid, but one one hundred percent still that, I like, think when it comes to police investigations, hiring a psychic is a little murky. Yeah. Because it has the potential to help or it has the potential to significantly delay the investigation. Yeah. And lead, you know, down rabbit holes because I can't, I just, I can't quote the cases off the top of my head, but there's like one that is sticking out in my mind where, oh. They, that, uh, are you talking about the one where the psychic was, um, and of course this is an Olaf version. Um, basically the psychic was telling them where to dig to find this yeah. person's body. And then they kept like, he kept saying like, no, it was by this lake. No, no, no. It's yeah, yeah, here. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. that one, but it would like he was he or she was wrong like every single yeah. time and wasted yeah 
all of this all time, time and money which and, i get yeah. why like bringing in a psychic is the last resort you know you're trying anything but yeah so back to Corey. like i said meanwhile all of this adrian adrian's parents are searching for her and whatnot um after the initial interview with Corey with the police you know they went in that first time i guess and just explain um they came back and his father began to realize that there was something still kind of off with Corey. um bert gregory told nbc that Corey began crying and as bert kept asking him more and more questions Corey broke down even more now before we get to more of that now Corey's initial story and sarah's they initially told police that on the way to lunch uh, at the Taco Bell, an argument broke out and uh, a physical altercation took place in the Taco Bell parking lot. Sean had attempted to intervene, but Sarah told him that he didn't like it. He needed to get out, basically. So he obliged, got out, and walked away. It was at that point they decided to drop her off at the McDonald's that was either close to her house or close to Checkers instead of taking her all the way, and that was the last time they saw her. That's where that McDonald's lead came in. Yeah. So... With that being said, Bert is now asking, you know, Corey after that initial interview, like what's going on? And Corey starts crying and he just kept asking him more and more questions. And he could visibly see that Corey was hiding something or there was something more to this story. And his father ended up asking him if something happened in that car. And this is where Corey shook his head. Yes. And Bert then called Teresa because Bert and Teresa are Corey's parents, but they're not married anymore. So he called Teresa and then she came over. And when she arrived, uh, all Corey could say to his mom was how much, how sorry he was. And apparently he couldn't stop shaking. He was visibly upset. And at that point, Corey decided he finally wanted to talk and he wanted to talk to the police. So he met with the police for a second time. Now the following of this, this is Corey's version or confession of things. Um, so this is just me going off what he said. A lot of it. Anyways, I'm not going to spoiler, spoiler anything until we get to the end. But anyways, so he told police that during this fight, both of the girls basically began choking each other. And somehow Sarah ended up on top. And continued to choke her until it appeared Adrian had passed out. So they sat in a car for a while waiting for her to wake up because they thought she was just passed out until they turned around and noticed that her face was turning blue. And at that point, they began to freak out. And so in a state of shock and disbelief, they decided, well, really, according to Corey, Sarah decided in a freak shock state that they needed to hide the body. And so, and I'm just going to go ahead and give a trigger warning for the next upcoming part of this confession uh, because it is... It's pretty horrific. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. So, in order to get rid of the body, they had initially wrapped her up in a tarp and tried to bury her. But being that this was January in Illinois, the ground was frozen. So, they couldn't really... Dig. dig a grave basically yeah. and this is where it gets gruesome 
So being that they weren't able to hide the body, plan B was to quote unquote cremate her. And this is where this Corey kid fucking pisses me off. I'll like, I'll link the NBC news article in the show notes where you can see everything he told NBC and the police. But this kid basically said that they felt bad or something along the lines for what they did. So they wanted to do, they wanted to cremate her as a way to not honor her, but I don't know. They thought it was the right thing to do. I don't, I don't know. Hold on. Okay. So he said, we figured since we couldn't bury the body, only the proper, the only proper thing to do would be to cremate it. And that they felt bad at the time that she was dead and they were just trying to think of a proper way to do it. This fucking kid is either a dumbass or I ugh, I can't stand him. Anyways, so plan B was to cremate her. Which meant they poured gasoline on her and lit her on fire. And... Yeah. And so science, it takes not to be too gruesome or anything like that. You can't burn a body like that. It has to be at a certain temperature and with gas. I don't need to be, (laughs) I don't need to be, I don't know. Yeah. That's not how you cremate somebody basically. The logistics go wrong. Yes. That's not how you cremate somebody. And that two. That's definitely not how you honor somebody. Yeah. How the fuck are you going no, to. And two. What the. I don't know. This. These two infuriate me. Yep. You should have just called the police. Right. Anyways. Now. With that being said. As I was going into. The body didn't turn to ashes. Like they had expected. Obviously. Obviously. So they came up with a new plan. This was plan C. And this is where it gets even worse. Never go with plan C. Never go with plan C. Um, Trigger alert. This is terrible. Yeah, this is terrible. So, and once again, this is all according to Corey. Because the body didn't turn to ashes like they had planned or had expected, they decided they needed to move the body. And in order to do that, the body needed to be cut up. So, Corey said that Sarah had tried talking him into doing it, but that he refused. And so, with that, they looked for another alternative, and that's when they thought of a... I don't really know if it's a friend or a schoolmate or something, but it's somebody that they knew. And this was also a kid by the name of Nate Gaudette who they quoted as saying loved blood and gore and that he was the kind of kid that liked to go around killing animals. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Great kid. Serial killer 101. Yes. Great kid. So they contacted him thinking that this would something be something that he would do mm-hmm. because of his precarious nature, to put it lightly. To put it lightly. So that Saturday... The 22nd, which was the day after they strangled her, he said that they went and picked up Nate initially 
to talk to him about it where they told him, you know, what happened and then ultimately asked him if he would do the deed and which he agreed. So the next day on that Sunday, they went back to pick up Nate to basically put plan C into place. And I don't really want to go over all the like horrible details, but Nathan had brought along a handsaw with him to, in order to cut up Adrian's badly burned and lifeless body. And Corey said that during this entire time while Nate was doing this, that him and Sarah were horrified and crying and blah, 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 blah. You'll see why I don't really give a shit. Yeah. What, how, Mm, I, while I applaud him that his confession and whatnot led the, you know, the parents to getting closure. Great on you. That'll come back in just a minute. But there were so many times that you had the ability to stop this. And I think even in that same article from NBC, he said that he just sat there while they were strangling each other and didn't really do anything because he was so in love with Sarah and didn't want to lose Sarah. And and that's the reason why he did all of this. I don't know. Fuck you. Yeah. So, and this is why I really just, I don't give a shit and I don't believe everything. I think he's just personal autonomy. Yeah, I think he's just trying to minimize himself, minimize the situation. Because after they had dismembered Adrian, they dumped most of her remains into a ravine on the farm they were doing this at. Which they hid it with branches after it was in the ravine. And then they mm, they put her head and her arms inside a trash bag. And then they put it in Sarah's trunk and went to McDonald's to get a bite to eat. I want to know how they had the stomach to eat. He said they were high. That's why. I'm glad you asked. He said they were high. That's I'm sorry. Because the reporter actually asked him that. And he said they were high. I'm sorry, but you go ahead. I'm sorry. uh, No, no. You. Are so horrified and disgusted that you're going to go eat McDonald's. That this is happening in front of you. The weed or whatever didn't make you less horrified and disgusted when this was happening, but you were so high that you were able to eat afterwards. Fuck you, sir. Right. Fuck you. No. Yeah. They went to McDonald's, and when the reporter asked him, like, you know, you, how did you do this? And like, what did you eat or whatever? And he's like, we were high. And he's like, I got a double cheeseburger. I'm sorry. Fuck what? you. Fuck you. Ugh. How do you stomach, stomach anything after that? Cause I mean, I don't, you, I wouldn't know. Cause about, I've never been a part of that. Well, I mean, I know that, but just think about the smell of burnt skin. Oh, I don't, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't, I don't. I'm just saying, I know, I know, but yeah yeah so they burned her she died they choked her and then they tried to burn her that friday afternoon then she sat there basically until sunday when they dismembered her and yes went and, and the then bite. they just went to go grab a bite to eat. yeah i'm sorry oh, what god <sighs> 
it's infuriating. So yeah, I don't believe for one second that they were horrified and disgusted and crying. Like they try to make it out to be leading up to the trial and it gets worse. Not as far as, I mean, that's pretty Mm -hmm. fucking bad, but anyway, so after that, they took the remains that were in Sarah's trunk and went to bury them at the Black Hawk Historic Study. Black Hawk Historic Site, which was a park. And they did this because they were worried the remains could ID Adrian. Yeah! They really thought this out. Yes. So, with that being said, after this interview with the police, I think the police even commented on his lack of emotion when he was giving this statement that it was it actually took them by surprise and it took the NBC reporter by surprise too because i think that person uh the reporter even asked Corey like how are you able to talk about this or you know so nonchalantly like how is the no emotion he's like i like to keep my emotions to myself well you didn't like to keep your emotions yourself when you were horrified and crying when this shit was fucking happening did you Sorry. I'm just... <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's fucking brutal and horrible and they're pieces of shit. So, anyways. So, after this, just after 11pm on the 26th of January, Corey led authorities to Adrian's remains. And they, they found him. And both at the ravine and... At the site. At the, the site. Hawk. Yeah. The historic site. And Adrian's parents were notified 2 a.m. at 2 a.m. the 27th, the morning of the 27th. So this entire time, these parents are holding out hope for a week. And and what's sad is, is not only they were notified that their daughter was no longer alive, but they didn't find out about the dismemberment or... The burning, yeah, until after Corey and Sarah were officially arrested, and I think they learned about it on the news. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. So, Cora and Sarah were officially arrested along with Nate, but he was charged as a juvenile. I don't know how old he was, but I think he was because Sarah was. 17 like 16 17 yeah but i think they even asked him so nate had nothing to do with the murder and Corey was like no he didn't he just did this which is pretty fucking gruesome either way you look at it either way yeah so yeah they did not learn about all the horrifying uh, details until after these three were arrested and they learned about it on the news which is really fucking sad So Sarah's trial, they were all officially charged and Sarah's trial took place around the beginning of November. She was charged with two counts of first degree murder and one count of concealment. I was a little confused on that. So I don't know if the article meant two counts of first degree murder, meaning Corey and Sarah, because I wasn't really sure how, I don't know. Anyways, first degree murder and one count of concealment. Of course, through this trial, 
she blamed Corey and said that Corey had threatened to kill her and blah, 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 blah. I think she even said Corey was the one that strangled her and that Corey had threatened to kill her if she said anything. And so she just tagged along and blah, 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 blah. I don't really give a fuck. So, because well, I, mean, I mean, they really... And if you look back at these notes, she's been saying this for a while. That she I was going to say, gonna, she wrote in I mean, her journal, the she, day she disappeared, she, I'll fucking kill her. Yeah. She legit, like, pulled on herself. Yeah. Well, and not only that, though, but it she was very vocal about how she felt about Adrian through this time. Right. Now, did anybody think she was capable of this? Probably not. But she was obvious she was apparently very vocal even at school about how right. she hated her and how she wanted to kill her and that she wished she would die and blah 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 and all of that so, so basically if it's people were asking well did she have any enemies yeah <laughs> sarah's number Top one at the list yes so with that um that was really all the defense had because i mean yeah yeah i mean it was pretty it's pretty obvious so after about two weeks of testimony and then 15 hours of deliberation, this is where I get a little like, what? Apparently the first trial resulted in a mistrial. Yeah, I've, I did read that. Yeah. So there was like one juror that, that everybody else was unanimous, but there was one juror that wouldn't change or wouldn't waver. I don't know. Um, I couldn't really find a whole lot about what else was presented in trial. I looked for the trial transcripts. But by all the counts and all newspaper articles, basically the defense's strategy was Corey threatened to kill her. She just followed along. She didn't actually kill her. Basically turned it the blame on Corey. Yeah. So her first trial resulted in a mistrial. But it was rescheduled for February 2006 in which she ended up being found guilty on all counts and in August of 2006 was sentenced to 53 years 48 counts or 48 years for the count of first degree murder and then 5 for concealment so now Corey he just he ended up pleading guilty to all charges first degree murder and one count of concealment, and he was sentenced to 45 years. 40 years for the first-degree murder and five years for the concealment. Nate, uh, the guy that... He just got four, right? He got five years. Oh, well, he got five years, but he got out in four. Yeah, that's right. And then ended up dying in a car crash. In like, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So not long after. Olaf version. <laughs> Which, to me, I know these kids are under 18. Well, I think they were under 18 at this time. I think, I don't know. I really, I really feel like that's a really fucking light ass sentence for the crime of this nature. Right. And how gruesome it was. I mean, yes, exactly. So I don't know Illinois law, but I feel like they got off kind of light. Yes, because yeah. you could get like 25 years for possessing marijuana or something right. like that. Like, really? It's unreal. So, Nate was sentenced to five years for concealment. What about, there? not there a charge for desecrating a body or right. um, 
tampering with evidence. Like, I feel like there were a lot more charges they could have tacked on here to keep them in prison a lot longer. For sure. Because I'm sorry, I don't care what age you are. You know better. This, at least at age 17, 18, this is horrific. Yeah. So, either way. So, yeah, they were all sentenced to prison, Nate and Juvie. And afterwards, a tree was actually planted at the outreach center in honor of Adrian's memory. I think a bunch of students gathered the funds to purchase a tree to plant this in her memory. And then there was also the Adrian Reynolds Memorial GED Scholarship Fund, which was established to assist promising transitioning GED students to help, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. Um, now, of course, the parents, I couldn't, I think, I couldn't really find anything about what they thought about the sentences and whatnot. Um, they did give victim impact statements stating how these, these, this in Sarah's trial, like, she took my daughter's life and, which was really, you know, really sad. Now. This piece of shit, Sarah, after, it was either after her sentencing or after the trial when the defendant's allowed to address the court, in her statement, she did not offer an apology and even admitted and said to the court that she felt nothing when Adrian died. And wow, yeah, didn't offer an apology, nothing. And then Corey, this is why I don't fucking like him. Mm-hmm. Corey tried to withdraw his guilty plea after he found out he was being sentenced to 45 years. Do what? Yeah. What did he expect was going to happen? I don't fucking know. He's. He think he was going to get charged as a juvenile? I Honestly, I don't know. I mean, come on now. I don't know. So this is why I don't buy the whole bullshit that, that they and were crying you, and horrified. Me, I feel like with her making that journal entry, it was almost premeditated. Well, first degree murder. That's what they were charged with. I know, but you know what I mean? Like, That's what first degree murder is. It's premeditated murder. Well, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I just felt like it should have been harsher. That's what I'm saying. Is like, I don't know if their age had a factor or like what the law is, but I feel like for... because. It was 53 years total, but 48 of that was just for the the murder charge. I feel like 48 years for first degree murder is baffling. Yeah. Like. I mean, if she's 17, think about it. 48 I mean, years. I say that, though, but then I believe there was a law passed around that time to where you couldn't sentence juveniles to life in prison. So it was either. So maybe that's why you could literally think about this. Okay. She's 17. She gets out in 48 years. That's what she's going to be like in her 60. Oh no. Mm -mm. She'd be like 80. What? I mean, no, sorry. 60 (laughs) math. It ain't math. (laughs) You're right, 60. Yeah, she'd be in like her 60s. And I just feel like... I'm just saying. She's close enough. 
I know that your brain is not fully developed until like you're in your like what, 20s. And at what point do you get out on good behavior? I don't know. She's still in jail though. I know. She's just... like tried to file, I think, appeals or something like that, but they've kept her in because she's a fucking monster. I mean, literally, For, if she... you address the court and you're like, I felt nothing. Yeah. Like, why would you be like, sure, ma'am, we'll grant you some. She's, I think she says, I'm like, I wish, uh, like, I wish I could remove the feeling of not feeling or something like that, but she felt nothing when Adrian died. I was like, keep that to yourself, sis. Right. Okay. Have some kind of decorum. Right. No, Jesus Christ. Okay. Like she's a fucking monster. Yeah. And I hope that they like write that. If she goes to like, try to, uh, you know, get out early Parole. or whatever. They send her Parole. a letter that says, I feel nothing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sorry, denied. I feel nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are you feeling something yet? <laughs> it's not funny, but. It's really not. But, yeah, I was, I was, like, horrified. Like, it's not enough what you did, but then you're going to address, address everybody, uh, address everybody and tell them you felt nothing. You fucking monster. I hope you get shanked in prison. That's how I feel. So that is the case of Adrian Lee Reynolds, a very promising girl who was trying to get her life together and just wanted to fit in. And yeah, they took it from her over stupid bullshit. Yep. So, yeah, with that being said, we will sign off and follow us on Facebook at MNO True Crime Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Murders Night Out. You can also click the link to our homepage in the show notes where you can see all the listening platforms such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us for free on there. And if you would like to support the show, you can support the show at a, a very small donation amount of like 99 cents a month. Anything helps. It'll help, you know, it really helps the show out in gaining access to more, more material to add more detail to our upcoming shows that we may not currently have access to. And thanks for... Did I forget anything? No, I think you covered it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, thanks again for joining us. And we hope you join us back next week. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.